My name is Jimmy, sometimes Jimmy J, and sometimes Shay. This is a podcast about human relationships, human potential, and that curious space between the dark and the light. Okay, so welcome to episode 72. We have the amazing, the delightful, the inimitable Mary C with us today. Well, Mary Carol or Mary, what do you prefer to be called Mary? Well, I'm Mary Lynch these days. Mary Lynch these Mary days. Mary Louise Lynch, that's the, the full title. All right, right. Did you say Louise? Yeah, oh, Mary okay. Lou. Mary, oh, you're Mary Lou, are you? Well, that's another one. Okay, okay. <laughs> Listen, before we enter the, the, the more important part of the podcast, which is me chatting to Mary about her life and I'll get to CC, explaining what that is and, and all the, the interesting and informative aspects of that. Just to reference episode 71 that I did recently, there's been a lot of feedback about that. I'm not ignoring your feedback most none of it's hectic or bad, just different ideas about it. So I'm going to follow up on that on the next podcast and do one around different strokes for different folks, different choices, different ways of relating, you know, because, yeah, some people are saying, that's not the only way you can do it, Jimmy, you know, that's fine. So we'll do that just to name that. And okay, so I'm going to bring my attention now to my guest. Thank you for coming along, Mary. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jimmy. From Donegal. I was thinking, actually... I was thinking back, I think it's about 35 years we've known, we first met. Yeah. After Frames gig, would I be right? Yeah. Was that in Trinity or somewhere like that? or where was I, it? I, I'm not certain. I think it might have been Trinity. And if it, if it wasn't Trinity, then it was one of the other little venues that the Frames used to play in mm, way back. Whelan's or something. Yeah. Smaller yeah, even. Yeah, I remember, yeah, meeting you in Whelan's, but I think I already knew you then. Hmm. Yeah. So we're talking late 80s, early 90s, are we? Am I? We're talking uh, early 90s. Early yeah. 90s. Okay. And our paths have kind of crisscrossed between now and then with big gaps in time and then different people referencing that happen to know us both. And, and thankfully, I'm delighted, very grateful that you've we've been in contact the last while. Uh, for some other issues and you know well connected to this i suppose really and now here we are you agreed to come on the podcast to talk about um so over to you in terms of when i, when I say cc what do you say uh, yes yes <laughs> um yes cc uh or as as you said when we were talking um you know, coming up to this, um, it could possibly be for, you know, coercive control. Um, Which is, an, that's hugely important to our conversation. Yeah, right. absolutely. Off yeah. you go, let so, us know. But CC also stands for Survivors Informing Services and Institutions. And it's a collective of women survivors of intimate partner abuse. Um, and the reason that it was formed was to provide a platform and a and a voice where women who are silenced by their experiences, not only of surviving abuse, but mm -hmm. engaging with various structures, you know, post-separation um, mm -hmm. that seem to kind of maintain the silence. It was to provide a safe space for their stories um, mm -hmm. to come together and kind of give meaning um, and use that for collective action for change. So, sure. yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we get, we can again unpack all of that. It's such a term, doesn't unpack. But I mean, I know you're familiar with some of my podcasts, I think. Um, and some of the themes have been, you know, narcissism, cluster B personalities, the dark triad, the dark tetrad, a lot of that type of stuff, spirituality recovery. But I was thinking, and I think we both agreed that, uh, like, to be a, a 
and we're saying narcissist here, we're not talking, I'm not talking about just some, a couple of traits, I'm talking about your full-on right job here, right? Full Darko, right? They're always going to engage in coercive control. But not everyone that engages in coercive control is necessarily one of the dark brigade. They're not that light, but I don't know what the fuck they are, but would I be right with that? Would you say it that way? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I'm trying to think of his name now, uh, uh, a law lecturer in mm -hmm. Limerick University a number of years ago did an extensive piece of research on the prevalence of coercive control in Ireland. And he estimated that 500,000 um, women in Ireland are victims of coercive control, mm -hmm. which in one sense shows how common um, that kind of patriarchal domination mindset is mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. how it is uh, so prevalent in families. But also, I think one of the downsides of a figure like that is it really waters down the situations where the dark mentality is behind the control and the intention is, it's not just about um, maybe having one's own needs met or mm -hmm. kind of being top dog, that kind of thing. It's it's much more vicious. Yeah. It's vengeful yeah. and it's uh, very cunning. Um, and yeah. I think that, type of behavior is the one that um, can have such a devastating impact on a victim's long-term mental health and also children from a relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And yet that's the part that still remains so hidden from view. Um, right. So, right. so, yeah, and I think that's the piece that it'd be nice to get into. Right, and we can and we will, and I want you to, if I, you know, you were saying like if, I'll, I'll give you a cue to go into something, but if I miss it, you just take up it up and kind of, I want to talk about this, Jimmy, you know, if I don't, because you know me, I'll ramble probably on something. I'm so self-centered, I'll make it about me. But likewise, and I could go off in any direction right, too. Right, yeah. we're, we're similar like that, it's yeah. part of the, the connection, isn't it? Yeah. So, I often imagine now, if someone was from an alien, and they've never heard the term coercive control. And, and maybe you wouldn't have to be even alien. People might have heard like, yeah, what is that? Something we were saying Coronation Street, funnily enough. Yeah. And I was explaining, I watch it because it's as old as I am. And I remember it all my life. But they're doing some great storylines. And they did a great coercive control, really in-depth relationship. But if you were to explain to someone out there who's listened to this podcast who doesn't quite know what that is, would that be okay to ask you? What, what does it really mean? Yeah, and if it's okay, I'm not going to give the textbook definition oh, that don't. appears in the leaflets, <laughs> you know. Give us Mary's face. Um it is it is a premeditated assault from day one disguised as a relationship. Oh, right, there's a line. And when you say assault, people will think physically but not necessarily. No, it's it's whatever by any means necessary. So somebody will be targeted. Um and usually it is because there's certain characteristics that are are um, obvious. Um, Give us an example of those characteristics. Well, let's say if somebody is kind, mm -hmm. yeah, well, that's seen as uh, tick box one, check. Um, Much like how narcissists target people, the empathic. Yeah, group. absolutely. And if they're truthful. So truthful is a, is a, is a very important piece. Um, Why would that be, Mary? Because I think it is that the, the the person in control needs to know what is going on all the time. And they need for the victim 
to be on the back foot defending themselves. So that search for the truth and knowing that they will be uh, truthful with the person demanding the answers. Um, there's a couple of reasons. One, it ties into the narcissism piece as well, mm -hmm. which is um, when they're busy trying to explain themselves to um, the person who's targeted them or the perpetrator, mm -hmm. they're missing the other stuff that the actual perpetrator is up to. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but also um, that underlying insecurity um, need to, uh, you know, be seen to be fully in control of a situation. Um, mm -hmm. That truth is 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 very necessary. Maybe we, and and then I don't want to get into the kind of um, making excuses for the perpetrator's behaviour. Sure. Um, but it can be put down to they need to know that the person in close in their space tells them everything right. and that there aren't any secrets going to pop up out of anywhere. Okay, so if I'm getting you right, so it's like a micromanaging almost like I need to know every move, everything you're doing, everything I need to know as if, if I'm the perpetrator so I can completely control, to use that term, feel secure and I know there's no secrets around the corner. So I would um, exploit your sincerity and your honesty and your vulnerability and beauty as a person. And, and also in the early stages, you know, and it's described in many different ways, whether it's love bombing, you know, mm -hmm. or, or the getting to know you, the mm -hmm. kind of the, mm -hmm. uh, the pink cloud, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that piece is. Mm -hmm. um, as long as that person is telling the truth, they are revealing how to be controlled. Yes. So catch twenty two, and yeah, in a way. Um, so as that person becomes maybe uh, open, someone is interested in them. Um, they're revealing what they love. They're revealing their insecurities. They're revealing what mean what matters most to them. Um, and then th those become the, the the ways of maintaining the control. So there's not necessarily ever any need to use violence. And when you look at coercive control in the criminal sense mm -hmm. where, um, let's say, a, a murder has occurred as a consequence of coercive control. Um, now, my exact stats could be a little bit off, but I'm pretty sure it's 55% of all domestic homicide cases where coercive control was in the background. There was never a prior assault. There was never any mm -hmm. uh, act of violence. There may have been something alluding to violence very early on. And what that is, it's establishing the price of resistance. Gotcha. And hence the term coercive, because it's hidden, secretive, under the radar. Go on. Yeah, and, and, and it, it, it uses any, any form. So sometimes people will describe coercive control as psychological abuse. Psychological abuse is a tool. Um, used by a coercive controller but it's not it's not the only one yeah gotcha can you name some of the others is that okay Tasha yeah so um and how the cycle including that what happens there um quite often establishing rapport with um key people in a victim's life mm -hmm. so their family support network um, 
maybe crossing boundaries around uh, that person's work environment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, depending on whether that person has uh, children or not, um, maybe an unhealthy uh, relationship with that person's children. Yep. Um, kind of winning them over kind of thing. So the, well, grooming them in grooming, a way. Grooming, but yeah. then they also might be targeted. So, um, so the child might be punished rather than um, the target victim. Yeah. Um, and that's again establishing the price of resistance. So quite often, um, say where sexual violence occurs, mm-hmm. uh, somebody might submit to the coercive controller's sexual demands in order mm-hmm. to spare the children being targeted for sexual demands. Just a sacrificial piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and and then the, the degrading um, uh, element where uh, submissiveness is required, mm-hmm. uh, prostrating oneself in order to um, appease uh, temper or to, to to prevent punishment mm-hmm. um so like absolute cruelty um and I, I think sometimes with psychological abuse it can be confused with you know a bit of name calling or people right. have a fight and they have it you know say terrible things to each other oh can make up get over yeah you know where all of those traits can be uh, present in any relationship really at any time depending on what level of uh, either trauma or stress whatever is going on in the background Mm -hmm. this is something more sinister Um, that's a powerful word sinister go on yeah and and the acknowledgement, so gaslighting is another word that's that's put in there as well in the context of coercive control. Funny, I was thinking of that, it's using narcissism, and I was thinking, about, I wonder, would you agree? I, I think gaslight, coercive control is gaslighting on crack, you know, and more. Tell us more about that, that how, how more than just gaslighting. And gaslighting is awful. But So one of the, one of the kind of the leaflet definitions of gaslighting is like hiding somebody's car keys. You know, okay. um, maybe helping them look for them. Uh, you know, to keep them keep them contained, yes. isolated yeah. at home, um, can be referred to as the jailer. You know, right. um, so does whatever necessary to to make a person's world small, and, and then destabilized, and then when that's raised, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. God, no. Yeah, are you no? okay? Yeah. What's your temperature? Are you all right? Yeah. Yeah. Been a bit crazy lately, you know. Can I make a cup of tea? Would you get that kind of that kind of mind fuckery going on where this person who's awful and who's done this awful thing, like say hide your keys just to fuck with your head, right? And then when you eventually find them or whatever and kind of go, listen, I'll make dinner. You sit down. You've been under so much pressure lately. Is the, could that be part of it too? That, that could be part of it. Not but when you look at it, Adam, on a on a really destructive level, mm-hmm. it's having her sectioned. Ah, so it's not just I'll make a cup of tea and we'll give you a few Valium. Go on, tell them more about that. And it's that. gaslighting professionals. It's gaslighting courts to say, she's mad. And they collude. I know you want to say a lot about yeah. that. We both, that patriarchal system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it, it, it's the question of, how, how, how come he's had, you know, 
two wives that are sectioned and you know he's saying the same thing about poor fucker has been unlucky hasn't he yeah god love you know. him he's just met these bitches obviously yeah or or it's doing something like having um an air filtration system put into the house um and having uh an app on the phone that controls the carbon monoxide levels um that's pretty fucking sinister isn't it yeah and that happens. Oh, let's put a shiver up. Like in Ireland. It's, we're not talking a Hollywood show no, here. No, no, we're talking about these are real life, real life cases where um, and the and the objective is to make sure that. If the sexual needs are not going to be met mm -hmm. and if this person is not going to remain obedient. Mm -hmm. Well, then they have no value anymore. And if they have no value, well, then. They shouldn't get anything coming out of the relationship. So it's total destruction and annihilation of somebody's personhood mm -hmm. based on you have no value. You have no value to me anymore. I am entitled to dispose of you in wow. whatever way necessary. So there'll be the really bad psychopathic elements there that I've been referring to. And yes. Because, yeah. Mary, I really want you, and I know, and I want to hear, and I know our listeners will want to hear much more about the the collusive legal system here, right? Yeah. Pause that for just a second. Wait, wait, I really want to come back to that. Tell us more about, build us up more before we get to someone being sectioned. Just the build up, because I know I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm listening to that, yeah, well, just fucking leave him, or da, 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 that, you know. Tell us more about how insidious this is, how it drills into your psyche, how that disempowers you so much to get to that. So you could have a situation where the children in the house are not allowed to eat food cooked by the mother. Right. He, that would be his directive. Yeah. Right. You could have, you know, situations where the shopping that's brought home is thrown out straight away. So therefore she has wasted her allowance, the money that she has been allowed to spend on shopping. So she has nothing left. Right. And even what she thought about carefully and put time into, um, knowing the rules mm -hmm. and knowing what the rules are, that the only thing that she's allowed to spend money on is this food, but then to have it dismissed and thrown out and the children told that they are not allowed to touch what is there in the cupboards or in the, or, right. you know. Right. Um, and that happens subtly over time, you know, because right. obviously that relationship started out long before those children were in the world. Tell me about that. You're looking across a bar or a room and you catch this gorgeous guy's eye or whoever it is, or however you meet this person. Take us from there, if you can. Not every single detail, but you know what I mean? Just to get a sense of that the development, the progression of this. I think there are many cases where um, very kind of successful, confident, uh, professional women um, believe that they have met... Um, uh, an equal partner and that there is, uh, you know, um, uh, an equality, a level of equality there. And that, you know, as a woman, um, somebody may have, have, have achieved, let's say, what is considered to be um, enough to be 
taken as an equal, mm-hmm. right? In, in in a very patriarchal world, which we do still live in, a very yeah. patriarchal We've world. We've certainly be coming back to that one. Yeah. So, so it would be the undermining then of, you know, little things. And would there be, you know, because I know there's lots like of... Like a sulking. Right. There's lots of overlaps to the cluster B, the narcissistic yeah. person maybe talking about. But would there be that initial, you mentioned love bombing, where... They sweep you off your feet kind of thing. There's seduction. They're charming. You know, who can resist that? Is it always that way or it's just a good connection in the beginning and you think, God, he's a good guy. I like him. You know, you're not thinking at all it's going to end up. I think maybe that happens. Right. Okay. And if I, if I was to reflect on my own understanding of um, how that happens, I think there may even be red flags from day one. But I think that in a society where we have very um, gender typical roles, Mm -hmm. um, traits that are expected. I mean, we we raise young women to be kind and thoughtful and truthful. Mm -hmm. Um, That is considered uh, doing a good job as a parent. Um, If you put that into a situation where for whatever reason, there might be added vulnerability. It might be a crisis time in somebody's life. Um, they might be getting over a heartbreak. Um, they might be getting over an illness. Um, there might be a bereavement or, fa- you know, it, it, any kind of issue where sure. it just might be harder to use your voice to say, sorry, what did you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Or... Or to say, I, I I actually don't like the way he just spoke to that um, lovely person waiting our table. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I know that one. I know that one. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't like the way um, he's driving this car. And mm-hmm. at the same time, unable to articulate it and get out and leave. Mm. And then there's a lovely message that's, you know, Really nice to see you. Uh, would really like to see you again. I was thinking you might like to go and do something. Right. So that, that is something that he knows she loves because right. she's told him. She's told him that. He's, he's, he's done his research. So you'd have that dissonance going on where you're kind of, you'd notice the red, you're not calling it red flag. Didn't like the way he spoke to her. Drive was a bit fucking manic and crazy. Yeah, but it's this lovely message coming in. So you've got that dissonance, that conflict inside. Yeah, go on. And 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 also, as you know, the 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 idea that we are taught to keep things private, keep things to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a certain way of interacting socially, and honest truth mm-hmm. isn't part of that. Mm-hmm. So, to say to somebody. Uh, I, you know what, it was lovely going out that few times, but I don't really think, you know, you're for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's if, if they're doing what are perceived as the right things, like, did he get back in touch? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> did you just go out for dinner? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then once, once it has been established that the red flags have appeared, and uh, and if, she has accepted them. Is she calling them red flags at the time? It is, is a person likely to, or is that more with hindsight? Hindsight. Right. Oh, it's hindsight. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, the price of her resistance is is can be established quite early. So it mightn't be that she will be punished straight away. Um there could be a, there could be a punishment, a cooling, an ignoring, a, mm. a blanking, a ghosting. Mm-hmm. Um there might also be a temper flare directed at somebody else in her presence. Okay. Um which she becomes responsible for. Right. Somehow, somehow something has happened that Right. Go on. If that person's about to get decked, it's because she has upset him in some way. Yeah. And there's also that the, he's he's killing a few boards with one stone there, excuse the pun, but he's also saying Mine. That, yeah, and I'm cap- look what I'm capable of. Yeah. You're gonna get the same. Fuck yeah. yeah. God, so it's this it's it's quite convoluted, isn't it? There's a lot in there all happening in that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So mm. So I hope I didn't interrupt you on your path. I just wanted to get back to the idea that, you know, I, I'm sure people who listen realise obviously it doesn't happen overnight. Those flags start appearing earlier on, er, very early. You don't call them flags, but you have that dissonance, you know, something isn't right. But you're also referring to uh, culture, society, we're probably taught to be polite and sure, oh, you got a great catch there, Mary or John or whoever. Or Absolutely. Jimmy, you know, well, well he's, he's a doctor, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah. Okay, so not that I'm asking you to get into, you know, kind of gory symptoms or anything like that, but in terms of, let me put it this way, I, I sense I know, but I'm just throwing it out to you, what would be the difference between um, someone who's just a bit of a cantankerous bollocks, but they're all right, really, and, and a coercive control person? Do you know what I mean? Maybe someone with a few drinks on them, and they get a bit like, fucking, you know. I think the secrecy and the, somebody could be, I have a friend. Mm -hmm, uh, Don't we all? She used to describe (laughs) um, someone I knew well. As the nicest cunt you'll ever meet. The nicest cunt. I'm glad you used the cunt board for my podcast. No podcast can go for you without that being used. So go on. The nicest cunt you'll ever meet. Like somebody could be so helpful, so Mm. uh, supportive of people publicly, Mm -hmm. Um, a pillar of the community. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think a cantankerous bollocks is a cantankerous bollocks and everyone sees everyone knows that. that. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I think a lot of, let's say, when when it's flipped and it's like, yeah, but so what about the men? There's men who are victims too. And mm-hmm. what about women? There's women who abuse men as well. Mm-hmm. Um, quite often, and, and I, you know, have, have heard somebody who I really respect their... Um, their stance on this dynamic, um, you know, Don Hennessy has referred to women as as being a, a bit of a bitch, you know, mm-hmm. and and that can be seen, you know, that's. But this relentless destruction of somebody by any means necessary, um, systematic, is more prevalent amongst male perpetrators. Yeah, I wouldn't have a difficulty with that. And it's learned behaviour as well. Mm. And there's the entitlement that Mm. uh, underpins it um, is very much tied into toxic masculinity and Mm. what my rights as a man should be. Mm -hmm. And 
um, but also knowing I can't behave like this publicly and I can't show anyone that this is what I'm doing. Okay. Um, you know, that's where the sinister nature comes in. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's but... where the systems weaponization comes in as well. And the financial uh, abuse, the weaponization of property rights, um, of, of laws that were developed by men to uphold men's rights, mm-hmm. um, you know, to make sure that innocent men aren't convicted of a crime and innocent men aren't um, disempowered by the might of the state. Well, boys love you boys, Mary, now, come on. Uh, how often have you heard that one? Yeah. And yeah. 51% of the population got yeah. left out of that, you know, oh, um, as those laws were being written. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, really powerful, uh, it's not a point, it's a, a reality you're speaking of, how... Yes, you have the two people, you have the perpetrator, the coercive controller and the victim. Absolutely. And it's a male is the perpetrator and the female is the victim in this behind closed doors, in a sense, the the secrecy there. But this is also part of a whole patriarchal structure society that influences the whole legal system, the whole social work system, the whole law. I don't know how conscious people all are of that. I'm not saying everyone that's involved in that are, are coercive control supporters, but that can often happen, can't you? If you know what I mean. Don't air your dirty laundry in public. Okay. Is is something that we learn uh, within the fa- within the, within the family within the private sphere. Yeah. Of don't yeah. don't air your dirty laundry in public, and then when you go into the public sphere. You can't say anything that will identify parties that might be involved in any situation without fear of... Well, what will uh, happen? Why not? Well, three years in prison or a €50,000 fine for a journalist that is seen to break the in-camera rule. Um, a victim of domestic violence cannot say publicly that they're a victim of domestic violence unless they've secured a criminal conviction against their perpetrator and the court has given them permission to break their own anonymity um, in a sexual violence case if mm-hmm. there's if the uh, victim um, has children mm-hmm. it's still at the court's discretion as to whether um, the victim can uh, name themselves even if they have secured a conviction against their perpetrator uh, if the perpetrator is the father of the children that's extraordinary isn't it right so might have some huge and, there's, and yeah. if I can just drop yeah. in there as well and we have a 1% conviction rate coercive control is now a legal term yes right it wasn't always you know, there was a whole uh, ambiguity all around, like uh, domestic violence and what happens and courts and da 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 da. Tell us more about that. Explain the legal bit now. What's Sorry, Jim, I've had a cup. Uh, so the legal bit. Um, what bit. That's all legal. Yeah. <laughs> So in 2018, the Domestic Violence Act, a new Domestic Violence Act, came in, and coercive mm. control became part of that. Um, it is behaviour 
that, and I can't actually give you, sorry, I can't give a gun blank, I can't give you the full legal definition. That's okay. But it is basically that a reasonable person would find the behaviour to be, um, uh, it's about making her world small. And when the behaviour of the perpetrator is put to the court, that a reasonable person would say that that behaviour would have such an impact on somebody's life Mm -hmm. as to eliminate their quality of life Mm -hmm. and their sense of self. Um, It's very hard to prove. How do you prove it? It's in that sense, when you think about the by, by its nature, it's coercive. It's it's hidden, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's the it's how do you how do you prove that he established the price of her resistance in her mind? Use that for, you've used that phrase a few times. Open that out for a second. Okay, so there was a an excellent um, domestic violence uh, advocate. Uh, researcher and trainer Davina James Hanman came over to Ireland at the time that that Mm -hmm. uh, law was being implemented and she did a lot of training and she tells a story um, where a woman called the police in the UK and the police came and she said he's going to kill me Mm -hmm. and she was like beyond uh been consoled she was absolutely distraught and they asked her how she knew that he was going to kill her and she said because the towel is on the table yep so it turned out if you go all the way back 20 years on their wedding night Mm -hmm. he wet a towel and he beat her to a pulp with the towel and let her know that she would be obedient from here on in. Mm. Mm. And she had started to resist whether, I'm not sure the details of the case in the sense that had she gone and gotten support, Mm -hmm. had she said, what you're doing to me is abusive, Mm -hmm. you know, what was it that he felt threatened by her position enough that he was losing control? Mm, Tell therapy was coming on. And Mm. he needed to leave the towel on the Mm. table. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't having it. Mm. How do you explain Wow. Something so uh, bespoke, mm-hmm. something so personal. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you train a police force to identify that and oh then God. to uh, prosecute it? Act on it, yeah. So, okay, can we get a rape in there? Can we get okay. a... Okay, I get it goes out, yeah. No, yeah, so, so when else did he do things? And obviously underneath, uh, again, as I said at the outset, coercive control is, assault, is an assault from day one. Right. There is no consent. There is no... Um, yeah, I'm up for this. <laughs> yeah. You, so you're saying, what you're proposing is that you kind of make me feel small as a person, fuck up my mind, make me feel really inadequate, put a lot of fear into me and my children, and just generally make my life miserable. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me the contract. Yeah, and, yeah. And, if, and if I don't open my legs, mm. you're going to go into the kid's bedroom. Right. Oh, I'm all, if, I'm on for that one, yeah. Yeah, and if I don't, um, you know, throw out the food I just bought, uh, and 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 accept that the kids aren't allowed to touch anything that I've made. Well, someone's obviously upset, and when someone's not anticipating what his needs are, Mary, come on now, 
let's let's look at this realistically. I'm thinking as you spoke about the towels, the classic. I know we all know us sleeping with the enemy. Yeah. Played brilliantly by what was his name? The Irish actor. Oh. Eamon. No, it wasn't Eamon. No, it was his brother, was it? He your man who used to be in uh, Glen Row. It, it's, it's his brother. Yeah. Berg, Berg, Bergman, Patrick Ber- Bergman. Patrick Bergman. Yeah. And, and was it Julia Roberts? Was yeah. The, and the towels. And that, remember that awful moment where she knew he was back. She tried to make, and she, the cans. the cans. Yeah. Is that a classic? All in alphabetical order. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if she, how do you know? Because the cans are back. You know, it's that saying, how do you describe this? How do you get someone to take this seriously? You know? And the trouble she would have been in for the cans not being in the cupboard yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, it's something I reflect on myself always, you know, in my, in my own relationship. Um, Somebody sent me a meme recently that uh, said, um, you know, in every relationship, there's one person who stacks the dishwasher like a Scandinavian architect and the other one that like a raccoon on crack, you know, and and that would be the pet hate. Like there's everybody has, uh, you know, foibles and things that irritate them at different times about someone. Mm -hmm. But you don't fear you might be killed. No. For 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 not uh, you know toeing the line, mm. and that's the underlying fear. I didn't feed the cat. There goes my life. <laughs> but it is like it. He becomes the greatest fear. Mm-hmm. So she might be driving around with uh, agricultural diesel. What the green diesel in the car mm. that he's put in and told her she's only allowed use that. She only has enough money to use that, but it's a crime. But she drives around terrified all the time of reporting anything to the guards of what's happening because she's committing a crime. Ah, right, right. That's pretty kind of, that's against quite sinister, isn't it? That's... You know, and, and, and the fear of if she exposes him that she could be killed and not only will she be killed, but she'll be seen as a big part of the problem herself. Mm, she's obviously done something wrong, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mary, say a bit about, if it's okay to ask, I know you've been weaving in and out the legal stuff because I know there's a whole plethora of stuff there, right? Um, as we're talking, and I'm imagining listeners are thinking, but where's people's families? Who are you telling? What's going on? You know the usual things people think when you hear of this. Surely somebody saw, you know, what about your close friends? And that? Say a bit about that, if you can. That, that You know, the people's structures, their support systems. What happens there? Has he already worn them down? And One of two things. Mm. Um, if she has maybe some unresolved stuff with her family, mm-hmm. um, it's the isolation, separating from family, having a problem with, you know. That might be taken into account when selecting a target. Yeah. Right. And having a problem maybe with the father figure, having a problem with, you know, mm-hmm. the mother or um, possibly uh, flirting with the mother. If there's a if there's, a, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of vulnerability there between the mother daughter relationship um, or completely grooming the family into seeing how mad she actually is. Yeah. And he's the long suffering. Yeah. The long-suffering husband. He's, he's gone through so much there. Well, yeah, my God. Oh, Lord. You know. He's a saint. Yeah. And he, he's out working every day, putting food on that table. And the thanks, look at the thanks he gets. That slut. Yeah. yeah. And she, look at her. She's, 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 look at her. 
she's in bits, she's in bed, she's yeah. depressed, she's this, she's just drugs, selfish, shrinking, she's yeah. just lazy, you know. What a con she is, really. Evan yeah. Stark, when he came over to Ireland as well to deliver training to mental health professionals and to the judiciary the first year he was over, the second year the judiciary didn't want to hear what he had to say. Um, Why not, Mary? Well, because he was he was very challenging okay. um, to the entire structure, the mindset behind um, what's actually presenting in family law cases and the way those cases are viewed by the judiciary and the bar um, and the money that's being made off the backs of people's trauma within the legal system. Right. Um, I interrupt you there. What did he, yeah, what did he do when he came but, over? But he, he, he said, when you are assessing somebody, especially a woman, for any sort of personality disorder, addiction issues, mm-hmm. first of all, go back through the history of relationships for coercive control. Oh, very interesting. Very insightful. So find where the coercive control could be. Unpick that. Use words uh, to help her describe her own experience. Give her the language she needs Mm -hmm. to describe what's happened. And I think that's, I often hear that working with um, women. When they hear another woman describe their experience, it's like a eureka moment of, I felt that that was what was happening to me, but I, I didn't know that that's what it was called or wow. that I could say it that way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then look for the coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit chicken and egg, mm. you know, yeah, yeah, which that. came first, the problem drinking mm-hmm. um, or the despair. Yeah. Yeah, Gabor Marte would be big on that one. Yeah. Well, let's let's take one of them and it'll lead us to the other, or vice versa. Yeah, you know, let's let's we know they're both there. Yeah, okay. What do you think it is? Um, say more about the legal system, the, the judiciary, judiciary system, and all of that, and the bar you mentioned, all the stuff I know very little about. Hierarchy, control, mm. um, you know, patriarchy, paternalism, elitism, um, you know. There are, in any country, I think, um, first world country, there are elite schools that produce um, elite professionals, you know, uh, and those professionals work together. I I think diversity is a is a real issue um, within our structures, where we have amazing community organizations or mm-hmm. uh, some NGOs amazing collective action on the ground grassroots mm-hmm. movements you know mm-hmm. the you know the power of people the power of change and then this absolute dissonance between that and someone sitting behind the bench or someone delivering the law lectures mm-hmm. someone um overseeing the training someone picking who we're going to bring in to deliver the training um so the change that's needed uh, to first of all recognise what appears in a courtroom um, is so great. And and while the silencing continues, um, I don't have much hope in there being uh, change. Uh, who silencing who? The man? in-camera rule, the silencing of, um, you have criminal cases and sometimes identities are withheld 
how a criminal matter is dealt with, um, what procedures were followed, um, the outcome, mm-hmm. uh, why a judge made a certain decision. Um, all of that has to be explained. It's documented. It's reported. That's filed. You can go back through the case law for, you know, decades and decades and decades and see how um, case law has evolved. Um, within the family law system, um, very little information is recorded and it doesn't give a picture of what's actually happening. So you might have, the High Court might um, publish stories every now and then on family law. They might allow for journalists to publish um, judgments. There's still judicial discretion on whether any case uh, can be reported on. Mm -hmm. Um, Most family law cases, though, where there are children involved, those decisions are... uh, based on evaluations and assessments that are conducted by what are known as trusted professionals or um, experts. Mm -hmm. Those experts are completely free from any scrutiny. The reports that are drafted... um, And are they men, mainly? No. No? Okay, go on. No. There are some very senior men, um, but no, there is a... And I, when, when I'm asked that kind of that, that type of question, I always think it was women who put Trump in power. Um, mm-hmm. it was that, uh, middle American, mm-hmm. um, you know, know, the them. kind of the, yeah, the, the, the pearls and twins set mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know. He's such a gentleman. Yeah. 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 Um, and each to their own. And, you know, he's a self-made man. He's a self-made man. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you got to respect that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he worked yeah. hard to get to where he is. He did. He didn't yeah, lose fuck. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yes. Um, that's a really important point. There are a lot of. So there will be a lot of. Let me just try put it this way. Women. That, that group you talk about, middle America women. Who would support, collude with, or espouse unhealthy male um, traits, principles, or what? Am I saying that right? Yeah, and the idea that no matter what he did to you in your relationship, but he's still a perfectly good father. Absolutely. He's earning money. Mm -hmm. And if if he... like if he's going to court, he obviously wants a relationship. He's trying his best. Yeah, it's you that's standing in the way. Why are you making so much trouble? Yeah, what what are you like? What are you so histrionic for? Histrionic. Men never get called histrionic. Do no. They? That's interesting. I know it's going to come from hysterectomy in the. I think it's probably Greek of an hysteria. origin. Hysteria. Hysteria. Yeah, but from womb creatures. Yes. You know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Right, so we know... I was being facetious, by the way. Sorry, I wasn't calling any woman a womb creature there. It's right, just that, right. you know... Um, yeah. We know, without getting hopeless about it, there's, a, there's systems within systems and layers there and all that type of stuff, right? Um, and you're you're saying, like, there there is some positive changes happening there, but there's still lots to get through there at that level. I mean, I end up working with people in the therapy room who are affected by this, you're, you're going to all other levels now. Yeah, sorry. And I, again, I probably get lost in the detail of this stuff sometimes. Sometimes, you know, when you're um, uh, 
so engaged in systems, mm-hmm. um, it can all become kind of a little bit interlinked and uh, complex. Um, I think solution wise, um, what we need to look at is removing the barriers to accountability and transparency wherever they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that, say, you know, capitalism and neoliberalism absolutely tie into this illusion, a little bit like our, 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 our Taoiseach was famously said um, a number of years ago, you know, um, that he wanted to help or support people who get up at six o'clock in the morning. Oh, I remember that, yeah. You know, and it's just like... Fuck off. Yeah, yeah. get in the real world here, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, and that idea that they are the people who deserve our tax breaks and deserve mm-hmm. our respect mm-hmm. and, um, you know... and We should aspire to. Yeah, um, and as Emmett Kerwin famously said in and around the same time, you know, it wasn't uh, men in suits or it was men in suits that fucked the country. It wasn't people that whatever yeah, either. Absolutely. Yeah. Or sorry, I've gone off on a tangent there. It wasn't but, the tracksuit crew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, just that that arrogance. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that arrogance is 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 there where there are very well-meaning uh, nice people mm-hmm. who think that uh, if we just make people work through their problems mm-hmm. and put the past behind them yeah. and get on with it, get on with it. everything will be fine. And the legacy of what... Make America great again. So the legacy of what, like, let's go back to the coercive control piece. Mm-hmm. So someone who's been spat out the other side of one of those relationships Okay. I had a little question posed that might tie into what you're about to say. And yeah. if it doesn't, dismiss it, yeah. right? So people are listening. So let's assume there might be one woman listening or a man who, I don't think coercive controls are probably going to be listening to this. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? We, yeah, we'll, we'll have a what we say to them. But if there's a woman who's kind of listening, kind of going, oh, fuck, that sounds like my Joe or whatever. I don't think she's going to call him my Joe, is she? It sounds like that cunt. Um, whatever way, but someone's recognising something. That can happen. Happens on all pod- different types of podcasts. Someone's listening, kind of going, fuck, that sounds like, oh my God. What does she do? What would you say to her? Here, start there and bring me through the process. I think I'd say exhale. Mm-hmm. It's okay to exhale. And connect with that little grain of truth mm-hmm. and nurture it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think acknowledging that intuition, mm-hmm. it's the same intuition that saw the red flags yeah. way back when it was, when, when, when there was enough autonomy within um, the person that she remembers herself once being. Yeah, I remember her. Yeah. yeah. So remember her. Remember her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. And then if we, you know, and again, I don't, it's not the right language to use. If we speed it up, fast forward that process. So this woman's again, and it becomes really clear. Yes, I am. God, everything Mary was saying there, that is me. I'm I'm in that situation. What other than the, the beautiful stuff you're saying and maybe following up with a bit of therapy, get a bit of support. 
Absolutely. Get whatever support you can. In terms of even legally, what steps would you be recommending or suggesting or thinking someone might think about? Now, I can be a bit radical with this stuff. Be radical all day. This is from the experience of lived experience and the experience of of people that, um, that reach out in desperation to CC. Right. And I want to get back where, to CC and how yeah, that started and why not. Go on. Yeah, at a point where they've lost everything or they can't believe that they just lost custody of their children. And how did this possibly happen? They did everything right. They went to the refuge. Mm-hmm. They went into court. They got the barring order. Mm-hmm. Um, they went, they got uh, social welfare set up. They got legal aid. Um, they made, you know, applications to for access in order to make that stable. They wanted their children to be heard. They they agreed to one of these assessors being put in place to hear the voice of the child. Mm-hmm. They told the assessor about the violence, about their fears. They told the assessor about the sexual abuse. They, you know, they 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 were open and honest with everybody, mm-hmm. and they got fucked. Right. Yeah. How? What? What? what I, I know what you mean, but what, say more about that. How did they get fucked? Well, they got told that the abuse wasn't real. They got told that, um, you know, that that actually those thoughts of fear that mm-hmm. those children have of mm-hmm. their father because of what he does to them when your he's, fault. Well, either that or their false memories implanted in the children's head by oh, her okay. neurosis. Uh, and she's hysterical, of course, and hysterical, yeah. of course. Yeah. So she has actually convinced the children that he's dangerous. And it is out of resentment and bitterness that she's done this because he's so fantastic. He has a new partner now and she's just jealous because... She would be, wouldn't she? Yeah. She and is. men are just men and this is what they're well, going to do. And again, I'm being sarcastic here oh, in the sense, do. you know, that... that mm. And she went into court and she told the truth. Mm-hmm. Or she went into court and she was never allowed to speak. Mm-hmm. And she's been in court relentlessly. Or she might have been in court six times in the last two months um, and realising that those applications are because she got a job or because she started a programme of education mm-hmm. or because um, she organised therapy for the kids. And this is absolute control and resistance to that happening. Um, and the more she tries to advocate on behalf of the kids mm-hmm. and tell the truth and make people listen, the more problematic she see, she's seen as being, the more obstructive she's accused of being. And you're not only referring to the coercive control, you're talking about the systems that are supposed to be helping. Yes. So, so Naivety, so th- why are they doing that? Well, because... It is a child's right to have a relationship with both parents. However, the way the legal system still views it, it is both parents' right to have access and custody of a child. So the big fear, I think, was where we had state supports in place for single parents and single mothers were just getting on with Raising kids, Mm -hmm. doing the best they could, Mm -hmm. given as much love as possible, Mm -hmm. given as much material resources as possible. And the product of one of those mothers. 
Yeah, and I heard the wonderful, you know, an amazing Betty Blue, mm. you know, and, and again, I've said to you already, I'd love to hear more. I want mm. to meet, want to hear more. And we know there are many Betty Blues, life. aren't there? Yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. go on. And the legacy, you know, mm-hmm. the legacy in her life, father, husband, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and the leg and to see how that, mm-hmm. th- that, that, that continues unless there is intervention. Mm-hmm. So we have then all these statutes, these international treaties, the Istanbul Convention. Um, Ireland has been monitored. There's going to be a report out soon, uh, the Grievio monitoring report to see, are we actually intervening in domestic violence? Are we providing the right supports that mean that the children, which are the, are the, the, I've often heard children from relationships that are before the courts as part of the assets of a relationship. Oh my God. That those children are protected from the coercive control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that children are prevented from learning that coercive control works and it's effective and it's a great way to get what you want. And as long as you don't get caught, you're fine. You're you a know? success. You're a success. Yeah, in fact, you might be really good in one of these professions. Now you're getting there. Right, I get you. Yeah. So The boys club, yeah. So if you have children who are being raised by a mother that is saying, I'm not putting up with this abuse anymore and mm. I will go to the ends of the earth to protect my children from experiencing the same abuse and living in fear. Mm. And they're telling me, that they're feeling this or this is happening to them and they, they don't want it to happen. They're happy at home. They don't want to be going to that house as well. Mm-hmm. Something has to be created to prevent that from being okay because then you're calling stuff out. Then you're giving children the the power to say, this is happening to me. I don't want it to happen. I'm not putting up with it and I'm going to say it out loud. So you have now a family law system that has pivoted to containment. Mm-hmm. And the assessors are using what's known now, the, the, the framework is called a parental alienation framework. And I know in our conversation when we were talking about maybe what we cover here today, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about Darva was mentioned as well. Mm-hmm. So that is a woman appears in court. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tusla have maybe been involved. Social workers have been involved with the family. Mm-hmm. They've investigated allegations. Major red flags were there, risk factors. Uh, reports might have come in from a GP. Mm-hmm. They might have come in. So eyes are on this family. How do you how do you uh, deny that there are issues here? And, and there's a, a level of support for the mother in the situation that's like, okay, we're acknowledging what she's been through. She's been through a lot. Like nobody goes into refuge by choice. Do you know what I mean? Indefinitely and mm. goes into the homelessness, you know, um, with kids if if there's not a real fear of being killed. Yeah, it's not like this. it's a good idea. Let's all go to a refuge today. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. then how did she get from that place to being the vindictive cow that's just standing in the way of him having quality time with the kids when he chooses or maybe needs to fit it in around his work schedule? And the so, terrible. And, the, and then the Darvo is, 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 is where he says, oh no, this is parental alienation. 
she made, she was behind all those reports. So defend, I never attack, did a thing. Reverse, attack, reverse victim and victim offender. And offender yeah. yeah. And and now you also have a situation where whoever has the kids is more likely to get the house, is more likely to get maintenance. And there's a real backlash to account, accountability being demanded of fathers either through the courts through revenue, um, mm. through social welfare, through, uh, you know, reformed maintenance law. So you have situations where just fucking take the kids off her. Just, just, now how do we do that? Mm. We'll use this parental alienation. Mm. Um, That's a weapon, isn't it? Oh, and it is, it is so lucrative. It's been referred to as a repugnant market and it's exactly the same ethos as trafficking Children, trafficking mm. adults, trafficking women into prostitution, trafficking, uh, you know, migrants into slavery, uh, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a repugnant market, um, because it is, it is, uh, based on the need of subordination and profiting from that. God, it's quite chilling, isn't it? Yeah. So, and it's a catch 22 once she goes into, so, so mm. that space of Breathe, that mm-hmm. was mentioned. Uh, and you said, remember her. Mm-hmm. That's the most important bit. Right. That's the most, where the power is going to come from or the yeah. motivation, inspiration. So what happens, and if we, if we use the narcissist framework, mm. what happens when the nar- when the feed dries up from the empath, mm-hmm. what does the narcissist do when the feed dries up? Find another one. Usually, they find another target, don't they? But they might they will hoover back around to the original one. They, they, you're never left, but yeah. So they find new supply. Is that what you? Yeah. Okay. So what does she need to do to become unappealing, unsupplyable? <laughs> <laughs> I got no supply. Fuck off, you yeah. can't. Yeah. I'm all out. I'm all out. I'm all out of love. Remember that song? (laughs) So the humouring. The humouring. Humour him. Humour him. Yeah. Yeah. No objection. Mm -hmm. Knock yourself out, but just don't knock me out. Yeah. And again, let's stress really, really important premises. And there possibly will be, but there doesn't have to be a hand laid on to a body physically or uh, something, a physical act that most probably will be at some point, but that level of damage and devastation can all be done via mind control, oh, yeah. feeling control, gaslighting. A look. A look. And, the, and the, the, the warning signs. Mm-hmm. A head turning or a, a cigarette being lit or whatever it might be. Absolutely. Is he turning left or is he turning right? You know, yeah. The yeah. towel. Taking the, the pen out, clicking. Yeah. yeah. You know. That song's come on. Oh, no, yeah. The, yeah all those little the things. Throat clearing. <clears throat> oh, the whole house. So you could have a situation where a judge is, is, is sitting behind the bench looking at two people mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what's going on here. And then a report that has been drafted by an eminent professional, Mm. an authority on 
these types of situations. Mm-hmm. And a signal given and the reaction then. So the dynamic with coercive control, you know, can, could be something like, um, she's guilty of violent resistance where she's had enough. There was a woman in um, uh, North Cork mm. uh, a number of years ago and she was so grateful after she killed him. Mm-hmm. She was so grateful to be safe in prison because she knew he was dead and he could never get her. Right. And it was a relief. A hundred percent. I'm going to use a bit of black humour here. Only earlier on, I was in Be- I was in Betty's because she lives just near where we are here. I was having a bit of brunch and that. We got chatting about it. I was telling that this was on. She said, oh, I'd be interested in that. And uh, your other brother, Vinny, was there and we were chit-chatting. And the, the thing came up again about like my dad and different things. And uh, just when you meant prison came up because, and again, I dissociated from this. I think I said it in a podcast. Betty went to stab him which wasn't usual for her to do that. It's quite, you know, she literally made a lunge and I stopped it. And the joke, you know, the joke then was she shouldn't have fucking stopped it. <laughs> but she'd have went to jail, but I don't know. I don't know whether she'd have got that relief. Maybe she got her three square meals a day and, you know, wouldn't have all the stress and, you know, that'd be gone. But yeah, yeah. just kind of a black humorous piece. <sighs> well, I'm nearly feeling guilty. I should have let her. I should have let her. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking of share there if I could turn back time. Um, yes. No. Yeah. Uh, she becomes the problem. Yeah. If she resists in yeah. any way, she becomes the problem. So what are we going to do about her? Yeah. Yeah. So not only has he established the price of her resistance, but then the spotlight is put on her anyway. We're always trying to fi- fix victims. She obviously needs psychiatric care. Yeah. I feel. My report suggests that this woman is quite unstable. That type of shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 She's fighting for her life, you fucking idiot. Or, I, I, I don't think there's any point in you going to counselling. You're still living with them. Oh, right. That's an interesting one. Right. Okay. It's not safe for you. It's not safe. It's not safe for her to talk about what's happening unless she has left. And then when you look at the stats... I think it's 90% of coercive control ramps up post-separation. So oh, okay. there's a desperation to get her back under control. Yeah, lest anyone find out, lest he be embarrassed, yeah. lest... And also, fuck's sake, the amount of time and effort he's put into cultivating this, uh, you know? It, it might take as a personal affront, almost, in that kind of very narcissistic part of the soul, like... Yeah. You and, know? Uh, I didn't do my job well. (laughs) But also, you know, you might have the frugality Mm -hmm. and the meanness Mm -hmm. in there as well. You know, because again, you're you're looking at, exactly, you're looking at the mindset where a woman doesn't have the same value as a man. Um, And again, there are, uh, I'm married to a man. Do you know what I mean? Apparently. Yeah, they're amazing. Like, love men. Mm. But it is predominantly male perpetrators that get into this long-term controlling, cruel situation. And it is a like, I own you mm. is, is. I love when me fella says that. 
Do you know that I'm joking? <laughs> well, we do that. So we did. Cece delivers the freedom program, and we look at that like the Jesus, the the what it is to be ladylike. Could you say a bit about more about Cece and how you? Is that okay to go there? Yeah, and you yeah, can yeah, co- continue yeah. what you're saying. Tell because I'm really eager that people hear what CC is who okay. you are in it and what it's about yeah so we, we we work in a number of ways um, and again I think I said at the beginning that it's a collective of survivors of intimate partner abuse mm. um so we collect and network women across Ireland or collectivize is, uh, is was one of the words mm. um network women across Ireland um, who are survivors um and then we provide peer mentorship and support training capacity building um and that's to foster the leadership of survivors, because we believe that women who have survived that post-separation abuse journey, engaging with all of those systems, mm-hmm. they're the experts by experience. Sure. And they have the knowledge base um, necessary to transform that system that I'm talking about, where there's all of this amazing work going on the ground. And then you have this world that's archaic and that that you know, so far removed from most people's lived reality. Yeah. How do you inform the change necessary there? Mm-hmm. You make the survivors visible and, and give mm-hmm. survivors whatever, whatever it is they want to do to kind of uh, be part of that change. Um, we'll then provide that little bit of, of, mm-hmm. of support or skill set. Um, so that's the collectivizing and networking and leadership mm-hmm. building piece. Um, then we we also need to be an independent resource for data collection and analysis. We need to collect the details of the stories. Um, there's been a great uh, there's been a great amount of work done in the in the public sector and the uh, kind of the NGO sector as well, where everything has been compartmentalized a little bit. Mm-hmm. So one woman's experience is. Uh, taken apart and maybe 10 different services Mm. have a little bit of data that equates to that one person's experience and they're not sharing it with each other. Oh yeah, not joining the dots. They're not joining the dots. So you spend time with a survivor um, doing the storytelling, the narrative piece, um, doing a little bit of uh, voluntary work Peer mentorship and support, the detail of what happened over that big long journey starts to come out. Right. Right. The, the times she did make a call, or she did go to the GP, or she did go into court, and it was missed. Yes, fell through the cracks. Or right. minimized, yeah, yeah, yeah. or written off, yeah. or, or, or darvoed. You know, and you start documenting um, and you have survivors trained to be representative of survivor voice and have that independent data resource to fall back on that I'm not just telling my story. I'm telling the story of 100 women or I'm telling the story of 200 women. And no, we don't all have exactly the same story. But those coercive control tactics and how they played out and were experienced 
are pretty pretty similar. Absolutely, absolutely. And in that, even though I was kind of using a bit of dark humour, you know, I know a lot of it, it sounds really, really, really well thought through, really uh, in, insightful and very professional what you're doing, Mary. Um, but that kind of was joking around with the idea of oh, I love when well that you know when you hear of quest control, that means he loves you. That's it, that's. I wish my fan, you know, that type of thing, you know. And I, I mentioned earlier about no contact. Yeah, you were so, I interrupted not, you, my That's apologies. okay, but like, you're not allowed to go no contact. We have we, endless structures set up to um, keep the family unit together. Right. And even when the family are separated, bring them together for family meetings, mm. mediation, mm. family therapy. Uh, mm. You know, oh, well, he said this when he was here about what you do that bothers him with mm. in relation to parenting. Um okay so he's gotten into your head as well so what's mm. the fucking point of me saying anything and 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 so Judith Herman Trauma and Recovery Ooh, I know her well yeah. I don't know her personally I know her. yeah great book it's a bible of therapy yeah yeah um, so part of her, uh, her 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 findings her theory her philosophy uh, is that there are some survivors who need to be part of the group action solution in order to recover, mm-hmm. um, and I think she, she one of the fig, the figures is about a third. And she, I'm reading actually her new book at the moment, Truth and Repair. She's still alive. She's about 180, yeah. isn't she? <laughs> I, I don't know, but it, and it, it's right. funny because this book she finished it in lockdown, but she had done the the interviews 20 years ago, and she only got round to finishing it in lockdown. So, uh, so you're you're touching on similar models that might be used because you know I work a lot with addiction recovery that yeah. area of work used in various self help groups addiction where you know it's passed on from person to person you know uh, that kind of mentoring peer support that goes on that kind of yeah and then when it comes to justice and mm-hmm. that side of it mm-hmm. um, like yes there are some people who are so dangerous they should be removed from the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, for maybe even for yes for the for the for the safety of people right but one of the big pieces that's missing um when it comes to justice is just transparency okay. and acknowledgement um and the exposure of the actions so because we continue to silence women mm-hmm with all these different ways. Mm, yeah. The perpetrator's actions remain invisible. The perpetrator remains invisible and right. unaccountable. One of the hopes with CC was um, that by working with the women that step into the role of, I want to do something about this. Right. I think we should try this. Or I love writing. I'll, I'll, I'll do a blog or, you know, somebody... I'd really like to become a psychotherapist and work with women and actually work from that place of rather than witnessing someone's experience, actually get in there with them and say, okay, maybe before you get out, have you thought about maybe, you know, some protection strategies Mm. and those protection strategies are okay, you know? And self-honesty, and that ties into the recovery bit as well. It's sure. the self-honesty that's yeah. most important. Yeah. Not the running and telling somebody else and getting their permission, you know, oh. to, is what I'm doing okay? Yeah. But that's the dynamic that someone is trying to escape from. They've been taught that. So 
so the group becomes the safe space mm -hmm. to learn from other women on the feminist journey as well. There's mm -hmm. definitely like a very uh, strong feminist ethos in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that Say a bit about that because it's a term obviously that, that's got grossly misunderstood. There's elements of feminism that don't sell feminism well. We know this. You've, we've spoken about this. What do you mean by feminism? Yeah, so so one of the, 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 the feminist pieces that we look at in the in the, the Freedom Programme, and this is the bit that's not, is the idea, you know, uh, we look at a Cardi B video, you know, where she's, um, I can't even think of the lyrics now, but everyone's like looking at it. And it's about, you know, kind of this idea of take what you want and what you can get from a man to make your own wealth and status and power in the world, mm -hmm. you know? Um, no, it's not that. That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's equal true equality, I believe, um, is about equity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so different people need a little bit more or a little bit less to be on equal standing, um, you know. And my idea of feminism uh, and what I've learned, um, you know, I, I, I studied women's studies in, uh, in UCC and that was amazing, looking at all different genres of feminism and um, first wave feminism, second wave, third wave, you know, where we are now. Um, and the bit that resonates with me is it's truth telling and for that to be okay in the public, in the public sphere and where this structural piece of uh, the nuclear family. It's a weird noise, isn't it? Yeah. Something to do with pumps or shit like that. Yeah. It? Go on. The immersion. Mm. Um, so the, the structural piece of family being that it has to be this new modern, uh, you know, 2.4 kids and equal assets and not actually looking at the systemic uh, barriers that prevent any woman from actually having real equality. Um, it's not there. It's an illusion and it's not there. Okay. Um, you know, and, and my idea of feminism is that working is that we will work together towards creating a world where we are equal and not ranked. And that's quoting Gloria Steinem, mm -hmm. you know, um, imagine a world where we are equal and not ranked. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I was at a West Cork Literary Festival. Uh, I think it was back in 2016 and Gloria Steinem came to West Cork and the room was packed with women, you know, and I, I hadn't ever experienced something like this. Uh, you know, there was uh, repeal sweatshirts everywhere mm -hmm. and um, 
yeah, I, I found myself able to say, I'll have that microphone. And I stood up and I said what was happening to me. Right. You know, that was the first time I experienced the power of feminism. And it was explained why I was able to do that was because there were so many women in the room. Women weren't worrying about the dangerous male reaction to what they were saying. Yeah. They were free. Yes. So that's my understanding of, of, of feminism. I don't have a purest strain of it that I think is the one, you know. Um, but to live free from fear I'll as take, a woman. I'll take that all day, would you? I, I would like to live free yeah. as a male all day and I would like women to feel, to live. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's for everyone to live free from fear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It gets associated with uh a flipping of the scales and women being in charge of everything and there being like a, a punishment then for all of the things that happened, you know, Yeah, uh, that pendulum to women. swings too far, doesn't it? It's got to swing back. And it's not about like, you know, men and us all, I remember Billy Connolly having a crack at this. We all have to be going like, oh, he was saying like, men are all sitting around crying now, you know, it, you know, it's okay for men to sit around crying, but he was saying not in a good way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not about becoming submissive. It's about the beauty of equality without rank. I love that. Yeah, and the emergence, yeah. the emergence of things. So not the imposition, you know, but the natural emergence Allowing of the new. to be. Yeah, yeah. And not being threatened. Men get threatened by the things they can't control. This used to be this joke, not a joke about this guy we used to know back in the day, you know. Uh, let's say his name's John. And, uh, you know, if he, didn't if he didn't understand something, right, he'd hit it. Man, woman, child, object, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Ah, no, he doesn't understand that. Get out of the way. <laughs> he just hit it. So it's, um, there's something about the kind of impetuous, immature nature that can be with men that way that we have to do something different with, you know, support definitely, but not not say it's okay, not like nurture that, you know. And I'm exaggerating. That's a funny kind of a one, but there's elements of that all the time. We have to accommodate them. Don't upset them. Don't upset them with the truth. So I'm going to, I, I'm thinking of recently, uh, that's what that's just reminded me of was um, there's this big fear about engaging with survivors and CC as, as a, as an organization because it's named as survivor led and it's almost like, well, what could happen? You know, heaven forbid, what might happen, Mary? Well, they might get triggered. So the women there, God love them, they might get triggered and they might be upset by talking about what's happened to them or talking about even representing survivors might be too much for them. And what are they all going to do? Run into the ocean or something? What's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we know that that is the, I think, I think when I'm saying we, I'm talking to us sitting here. Yeah. It's that fear of people who are detached at a certain level being confronted by mm. their own vulnerability, mm -hmm. their own experience, their own memories. Mm -hmm. And how can you possibly this? Okay, back to feminism. This is another understanding of mine of feminism, which and it ties into standpoint theory, is that objectivity is an illusion. We 
all view the world through our lived experience and denying that is dangerous. And yet every structure we have, you separate the personal from professional. Um, With feminism, the personal is political. And um, I, I, I think we have let's say, uh, structures within justice, within the legal system, within the civil service, you know, where legislation is being drafted, policies being drafted, negotiations around funding, who to fund, what's safe, how how we'll disperse resources, uh, who qualifies as being um, in need of or capable of handling uh, an investment in some way is based on the ability to function without trauma rearing its unpredictable head. And and how do we contain that? And I think wanting to continue to contain it means that we are going to continue the legacy of perpetuating it indefinitely. And by bringing it out, and you know, their secrets die in the light of exposure. And mm-hmm. you know, how do you recover? Let's say in addiction, it is mm-hmm. it is it is about bringing the darkness out into the light. Sure. Um, so you have people who are working in frontline services, being exposed to trauma, and the only way they've learned or know how to deal with it is to say we won't talk about that now. We're not going to, we're not going to acknowledge that. We're not going to deal with it. More of this needs to happen. You know, there's an effective system in Canada um, looking at uh, domestic violence courts and family law courts where the judge doesn't sit behind a bench and they don't wear any formal garb and they sit. I'm interested already. They, they sit in a room with victim, perpetrator, children, experts, whoever's involved, but they talk it out. Serious, long-term, intergenerational um, outcomes come from these decisions. But at the same time, there's a consensus to how it was reached. So it's less likely that that system will continue to be weaponized because Weaponizing it means you're going to be sitting down in a room with the judge, with representatives, in equal participation, you know, where everyone has an opportunity to be heard. You can't rely on, you know, the ancient procedural format Mm -hmm. That if you get the first word in and you throw as much shit as possible, you know, fling as much mud, mm-hmm. it'll stick. Mm-hmm. No one's going to listen to her, you know, right. what she has to say about it. Yeah. And the judge is going to go, oh, I'm not dealing with this. This is too much. This is taking up too much time. Bang. There's your order. Don't want to hear any more. Off Out. you go. Off you go. Wow. And then someone who doesn't like what's happened goes straight upstairs and lodges an appeal goes straight round to the office. Do you know what I mean? Uh, he gets shown up, let's say, um, is denied what he sees are his entitled rights. Mm. Um, straight out, you know, another vexatious mm-hmm. application. Mm-hmm. You bring it into a different space and you, you deal with it in a different way. And yeah, the, the they mightn't be allowed access to their kids. They might have been told they need to go through a perpetrator program. Do you know what I mean? They might have been told, look, 
come back in a few years or, you know, there's stuff you need to sort out. And right now your behaviour is dangerous. But the way that it's done, it means actually facing that stuff again if they want to go back. So they might as well go off and do the programme. Do you know what I mean? Might as well. I'm just aware, I'm thinking, and and, and again, I I feel there will be a part two to this, maybe part two, part three, because there's loads in it, isn't there, you know? And I'd love for you to come back uh, for that. Um, or you can do it in Donegal, as we were saying. Yeah. Um, is there, as we're just slowly winding down this part of things, is there anything, because, you know, might have been flubsky a few times, I hope not too much, that I haven't asked or you haven't come to today that you're thinking, I really want to make that point before I go? Um, I I think everybody knows someone in their life at some stage that they can tell the truth to about what's really going on. Um, to remember her. And I I do believe in the inherent possibility of goodness mm. in everyone. Mm. I used to believe in the inherent goodness in everyone. Now I believe in the inherent possibility of goodness. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I guess, or not I guess, but taking that risk to have somebody that you can nurture that seed with um, to remember her is essential for somebody experiencing uh, coercive control and has that understanding. Be very careful who that person is that you tell the extent of what's going on. Because again, I've established earlier that the perpetrator will often groom his victim into colluding in a in in a way that puts them in a very vulnerable position legally, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and I don't want to go off on another tangent here. Mm-hmm. Um, there are perpetrators who may hear this and may reflect on past experience. What are we saying to them? Sorry, as a cracker. If if Neil Light said this one question, controller, listen. What are we saying to him? Grow a set. That's, That's all. really it, isn't it? Grow it's the grow- fuck up. Yeah. Let those balls drop. Yeah. You know? Get Marvin Gaye on. What's going on? Let's talk to me so you can see. Yeah. yeah. Grow the fuck up. Right. I, and I interrupted you. I couldn't resist no, but it, saying but it, that. But it is, you know. And and before you point the finger at her and tell a lie again about it's all her fault, you know. Like, unless he has absolute amnesia. Mm-hmm. Publicly, his behaviour knows the difference between right and wrong. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Accountability, ownership. We have choices. You know, the, the whole we talked about this, like, we're all fucking traumatised. I say this all the time. And it's, it's awful for everybody. That's not permission to fucking abuse people. You know, once off, and then you learn, and you try to change that. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, and 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 sometimes walking away is the answer. Absolutely. Like walk, but 
for that that piece afterwards, you know. Mm-hmm. To say that's growing a set is to walk away, you know. I hear you. It's the it's quite often the only way for that woman and those children to ever access any quality of life. Grow a pair and fuck off. <laughs> grow, grow a pair and fuck off. Leave them the fuck alone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Or maybe gonna... fuck off first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then work on the growth. We're doing, just to say, we're running uh, testicle growth uh, workshops. So we'll be naming them on future podcasts. Uh, if you're listening, men, there. Um, you know, as you're getting older, they do get a bit, yeah. Anyway, listen, I want to acknowledge, uh, and again, your absolute vulnerability, courage, because you've identified your own experience in, in the most gracious, humble way without, you know, going into everything. And I know you don't say it, but Cece is your baby, right? And I know you're very humble about that, but you, uh, you've worked really, really hard and all the things you're saying, like, again, I'm reminded of the swan. You're, you know, those feet are kicking and have kicked for many years and will kick for many more with more education and knowledge now and experience. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. When when I asked you recently, you went, yeah, it was on my mind. Um, but I hope for, for CC, for you, for other women out there and that one guy that might be listening. <laughs> yes, I think I will fuck off. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Really, really appreciate it. And, and I would guess I would like uh, you to come back for another episode. What's the next phase of CC? What's going on? Where are you? Would that be? I'd, I'd love to do that. And thanks, Jimmy. This has been uh, a, a, like a, a very safe and privileged space to talk about um, some really deep stuff and mm. to hopefully carry a bit of a message to um, to anyone who's wondering What's going on? Yeah. Oh, Marvin Gaye again. Listen to Marvin Gaye, what's going on, everybody. That album's brilliant. Um, Yeah. Okay, looks, thank you so much. And I've no doubt we'll be sitting talking again in this room or a room in Donegal or on, I heard you talking to Jerry earlier about doing, doing, what were you talking about? Doing via Zoom or something, episodes, whatever, you know. And I think you're going to start up your own podcast, no? I'd love to get, yeah, Survivor Rising was the, is the, um, is the theme for it and it was it's the idea is for it to tie in with uh, a very uh, hard hitting uh, empowering course of survivor rising covering that post separation journey in the irish context well i've no doubt you've already got a few fans from listening here that'll be looking forward to when that comes out so and i'll be letting you, letting everyone know about that thank you mary c i always call you mary c brown from the Dory previn album mary c brown Thanks, Jimmy. You've been listening to the Twilight Conversations. If you'd like to contact me about the content or any question or comment you have about the podcast, you can do so on the Twilight Conversations at gmail.com. So, the Twilight Conversations is an independent production. If you'd like to contribute towards the making of the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash the Twilight Conversations. <laughs>